Our scripture reading today comes from the book of Galatians, chapter 5, verses 16 through 17. Now hear the reading of God's word. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. So ends the reading of God's word, and you may be seated, please. You know, this morning as we come, I, I want you to know I have tears in my eyes. It's, it's not because of the Huskies and the Cougars. I want you to know that, although I should be crying over both of them. It's allergies. Now tell me, how do you get allergies back when it rains so much? Mold. Now you're telling me I'm moldy. I got it. Thank you. You know, we've had a, a wonderful time this last week, especially last Sunday. And I bet you're dying to know the winners of the kickoff cook-off. Yes. And we shared with Second Service because we had the total tallied, and, and, but you didn't know. So Mary's going to come and share with you the victors. All right. We don't have our drummer up here to give drum rolls. For the appetizers. <laughs> nice. Best I can do. Nice. Okay. In third place, the Bridges Committee with the BLT dip. Oh. Does this make you want them all to be out there again? <laughs> In second place, the Deacons with jalapeno pupper spread. Ooh. And the winners. See, this is where you need to do the drum. <laughs> Men's Ministries yeah. with the bacon log. <laughs> Yay, Greg! <laughs> We've had more visits to the cardiac unit in the hospital this week. <laughs> For the desserts, which were over in the youth and, and children's building in third place, the mission committee, courageous yes. carrot cake. Ooh. Second place, deacons again, they entered in both categories, fresh fruit summer parfait. And the winner. <laughs> wow. The worship team, <laughs> who demonstrates humility well, <laughs> for strawberry tuxedos. So, I, I understand with the worship team, they brought in a professional. They did. Is that what they did? They did. Who plays drums? Who plays drums? It was fair. It was fair. <laughs> yeah. I understand. And truly, thank you to all of, the, all of the ministries. It was awesome having all the food. So a lot of work I know that went into that. So thank you for participating. What a, what a fun, fun time last week. If you missed it, maybe we'll do it again next year. Some have said, let's do it every month. Some have said, we should do that every Sunday. No. Right, Marge? No, 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 that's no. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Jay's good to go then. We're all right. You know, 
If you get tired of me talking about football, I don't care. That's all right. But Mark, how did Sumner do? Victory. They were up at Fife, and uh, they won by the same score as the week before. And it was a close game all the way, and our Curtis coach is not here today. And they won. And, you know, you Bonnie Lake people, you need to get one of the coaches of the teams coming to church here. So you Bonnie Lake folks, so we get equal representation here. But Bonnie Lake won as well. White River won. Ording one. All right. I know you don't care. Let's get into God's word. <laughs> this fifth quarter is our youth after one of the Sumner football games. They have some kind of events for the youth, you know, who want to come to it. So it's kind of us, yeah, it's kind of us going to them instead of expecting them to come to us. So good things. Be praying for that ministry as well. You know, this morning we begin this series that deals with what difference does Christ make? Because if Christ doesn't make a difference, why even do what we're doing? And as we look at this, we're, we're trying to make this as practical as we can. And, and, and the preaching is a little different here because usually we would go through a book and we would take the passage that was next and we'd go through that passage and talk about it explain it, and then apply it. But here, this is more topical. And in topical preaching, we get the whole Bible to go from. And so today, you're going to see numerous scripture, and I would advertise, no, I would recommend to you that you write down these scriptures so you can look at them at another time. We'll show them up on the screen, but still, so you can go back and, and look at these. As I was in here and somebody came in and they, they looked at what the sermon was on, and they said to me, do we have to preach on that today? And the answer is yes. Not only today, but we probably should preach on this every day. Anybody have any bad habits out there? I, I don't want to know what they are. I just, anybody have any bad habits? Yeah, we all do, don't we? And some of them, some of them are those habits that we just don't like. Well, we really do like them because we do them. But we really don't like them because we don't want to do them. Is that kind of strange? But you understand, don't you? Because you probably fight that battle. You probably are finding yourselves in that kind of situation. In fact, Paul found himself in that kind of situation, didn't he? What did he say in Romans 7? Ah, I hate doing the very thing I hate. And yet he does it, doesn't he? I do the things I do not want to do. This morning we're going to look at bad habits. Now, understand there are habits that are good and there are habits that are bad. By the way, when you put on your pants, do you put the right leg in first or the left leg in first? Really? You're a left leg pant putter on her? I think I put my right leg in first. How many right leggers do we have here? How many left leggers do we have here? How many just holds the pants there and jumps in them, you firefighters? Yeah, police officers, firefighters. You know, all habits are not bad, but there are habits that are not good. So, what makes a habit? not good. 
And the answer in that is a habit that is not good is something that we do that is harmful to us and displeasing to God. And since it's a habit, it's something that we do over and over and over again. Now, understand about what the causes of these and what they do to us. I mean, repeatedly, this is what causes it, repeatedly giving in to the impulses of our rebellious sin nature. Do you understand that? We have this sin nature that is in us. And as we continually give in to these things, they become habit. The Bible teaches us that this sin nature is a very powerful motivating drive which is opposed to God and it is referred to in Scripture as what? The flesh. The flesh. Where we, in our own power, in our own strength, we jump in and the flesh rules us. So our sin nature is fighting with the Spirit of God for the control of our will. Now, some of us say, oh, you know, pastor, it's not that bad. You know, I, I really am not that way. I, I, I really am a good person. And, and I agree, you probably are. And yet there are things in our life that takes a hold, and we continually, continually, continually do them. And they become bad habits. You know, go back to Galatians chapter 5, verse 17. I want you to see what that says again. I know that as you read it or as Mary read it, you probably just, uh, okay, but look at this. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit. Understand that. It is that nature within us that desires that which is not of God. And, and we all the time say, you know, I want to follow God. I want to be a good Christian. I, I want to be spirit-led. And yet, so often... We are led by this contrary spirit. The spirit that is contrary, the spirit that is sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. So I think down deep we really want to be God's people. We really want to serve him. We really want to walk in his steps. And yet over and over and over again, we make wrong decisions. And as we make those wrong decisions, we become enslaved to sin. And that is Satan's desire. The Bible talks about this enslavement. Let's look at Romans chapter 6, verse 16. And in this passage, it is very important that we see what's going on here. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone to obey him as slaves... You are slaves to the one whom you obey. When we do bad habits, who are we obeying? We're obeying Satan, aren't we? And I don't know what your belief is in the devil or Satan, but there are two powers here at work. There's God and there's Satan. And you choose which one you're going to obey. You are slaves to the one whom you obey. Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. Now, if we had that choice before us, if every time before you did something, in your mind you said, okay, does this lead to death or does this lead to righteousness? Maybe the chances would be better that we would jump on the side of God 
and lead ourselves towards righteousness. At least that's my hope. That's my desire. So let's look at this whole area of how do we break a bad habit. And, and the first one is paramount. Because without us doing this first one, we have no chance. And I'll tell you that right now. Number one, how to break a bad habit. Be serious about quitting. Quitting? Quitting doing what you do. Quitting doing what leads you away from God. Why is that paramount? Because if you don't care, if you don't want to do what God wants you to do, you're not going to do it because our flesh will take us away. It will move us in the direction away from God, not towards God. Does that make sense to you? And yet you're probably saying, Pastor, we already know that. I wouldn't have this bad habit if I really was serious about not having it. Well, let me suggest a couple things here. Number one, we are to take it seriously, this whole idea of quitting these bad habits, because God takes it seriously. Why do you think God takes it seriously? What's the reason? He knows that it will move us away from him. In fact, some of the language that God uses in his word is really kind of dramatic. In fact, as I was a youth and I, as I read these things, it was like, oh my, you mean, do I really have to do that? Let me show you what I mean. Matthew chapter 5, verses 29 and 30. This is serious stuff. For if your right eye causes you to sin gouge it out and throw it away oh come on that's bad stuff you know and, and remember when I was in high school and when was I, I was in college that right eye always seemed to go astray the left eye it usually went with it do you know what I'm talking about men ladies do you know what I'm talking about I hated that because I knew that passage. I hated the youth group I was in because they told us about that passage. Why couldn't they just skip over that one? Why couldn't they cut that one out? It'd make my life so much easier. But when it said, if your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away, I said, you're crazy if you do that. Think of all the one-eyed people that would be running around if you did that. Everybody would know. Okay. Let me tell you right now, I don't want to be blamed for this, so let me tell you right now, don't go gouging your eye out, all right? And you're going to say, but Scripture says, I know it says that, but get the point. And the point, let's look and see what the point is. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Wow. So, it's better for me to get rid of an eye... And then the left eye starts getting bad. It's better for me to get rid of both eyes and have my heart in place with God. Wow. You know, I guess that's true. I guess something temporary, having it gone is better than losing my whole life for eternity. And yet get the point, folks. 
it's not that we shouldn't be the First Presbyterian Church of Gougers, but we should be the church that seeks to serve and obey God. And whatever it takes for us to do that. But look at verse 30. It doesn't help us anymore. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. I hate those verses. I always have hated those verses. But the purpose of them is true. The purpose is to get our heart right with God. Now let me ask you a question. The other day, in fact yesterday, there was this peach. And, and this peach, I mean, oh, it looked so good, except there was one little part that was kind of rotten. Now, I went and cut little pieces of the peach until I got to that rotten part, and I threw that part away. See, it was worth it to get rid of that rotten part, and the rest of the peach was wonderful. You know, it was a good peach. I really think we are good people, but where's your heart? Where's your heart? And let me tell you, it's not your eye that leads you astray, although it helps. It's not your hand that leads you astray. It is the heart that leads you astray. And God wants our heart. He wants us to follow him and to serve him. And if there are things that cause us to stumble, then we need to take care of those things. So take it seriously because God takes it seriously. You know, this makes me think that this sin stuff really is serious. So much to the point that God says, you better do this. You better make some changes now. What happens if we look at a verse like this, and again, don't go gouging your eyes and cutting off your hands, but what if we take a verse like this and said, oh, you know, I, I, I don't need to worry about that one. What happens? What happens with our bad habits? What happens with our sin? They continue, don't they? And, and maybe it wouldn't be quite so bad if, if they just continued on a flat plane. But what tends to happen? They escalate. Because the sin that excited us so much or did so much for us before, pretty soon it becomes old hat. It becomes just normal stuff for us. And to get that rise, to get that excitement, we sin greater. You know, this is serious stuff to God. He takes it seriously. The second thing about being serious about quitting, take it seriously because they have already kept us, these sins, these bad habits, from fulfilling our greatest potential for God. You see, in our life, we've only just begun to live to our potential. As we seek God, as we begin to turn parts of our life over to God, we get on this roll. And as we please God, we see other areas of our life that need to be in God's hands. And as we give those, we get on this roll. But when we get to the place and we say, oh, you can't have that sin, all of a sudden we have a block between us and God. Do you know what I'm talking about? If you have a sin habit, a bad habit, what is happening is you're missing out on the blessings that God has for you. And that's why you say, you know, there are times I'm so joyous and other times I, I just, oh, this Christian life. 
Well, it's because we're not giving it totally to God. We take it seriously so that we might be all that God would have us be. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 21. If a man cleanses himself from the latter, he will be an instrument for noble purposes, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. You see, when we separate ourselves, we're saying to God, God, here I am, I'm available to you. Use me, take me, make me what you want me to be. And God is more than willing to say, amen, praise God, yes, sir, and to take you and do that. But if you come to God and say, God, here I almost am. Here I, pardon me. Here I, okay, you can't have that. God says, when you hold back from me, I can't work with that. He wants us all, all of us, all that we are to be his. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, remember this verse? Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And we've talked about this before. When you begin to watch these track meets, you know, have you seen those outfits they wear in track? Or in the swimming meet? You know, they're tight. My goodness, almost obscene. But they do that so they don't have resistance. You don't see them coming in their galoshes and snow coat and, and you know, their goggles and, and everything. They don't do that. And the same is true. We are to get rid of the sin that is there. So take it seriously because God takes it seriously. Take it seriously because they've already kept us from fulfilling our greatest potential for God. The last one here under this is take it seriously because of the trouble it will lead to in the future. And we talked about this. If we don't deal with our sin now, it's still going to be there. It's not one of these things, maybe, maybe it'll just go away. If I turn and, and refuse to look at my sin, maybe it won't be there when I turn back around. Guess what? Every time you turn back around, guess what? It's even closer. It's even bigger. It's even more tempting. Wow. Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 and 8. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap what? Destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Now, how do you deal with that verse? When you read that, does your protective devices say, I don't want to hear it, I don't want to hear it, I don't want to see it, I don't want to hear it, I don't want to see it, I'm not going to look. I'm going to think about the lunch today or the football game. I'm not going to listen anymore. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature from that nature will reap destruction. It doesn't get better 
and it doesn't go away. But haven't you heard, oh, I can stop anytime I want? Have you heard that? Maybe you've even tried that one. I have. I can stop it. You know what does it for me? M&M's with peanuts. And they're so small. But they're so good. (laughs) I went to the Sumner football game Friday night. Marsha was working. I thought, well, I can either stay home or I can go do something. So I went to the game. And I was sitting there with some people I knew. And there was this lady in the back, and she had a whole row of family and friends. And she says, I have this bag of peanut M&M's. Anybody want some? My ears pricked up. And, and, you know, there was a little space between her and her next family person because we had the umbrellas out and everything. I turned around and said, here, let me help you pass those. And then so she gives them to me, and I said, well, now that I have them, I think I'll help myself to some. Is that all right? Well, sure, help yourself. So I took a handful and passed them along. Then when they came back, you know, she needed help getting them back, so I took another handful and passed them back. And every time I'm thinking, oh, I shouldn't be eating those. Oh, do you know how many points these are? Oh, oh, oh. But did I stop? No. Sorry. Sorry, Doc. <laughs> Take it seriously. Because of the trouble it will lead to in the future. That was only points on that one, but there's sin in our life that has monumental, monumental effects. Anybody read Gulliver's Travels? Did you have to read that, or have you seen it on TV? The Lilliputans and these little people and big Gulliver, and you know, they're no match for him. But what did they do? How did they get him? They banded together and they tied him down with all of these little strings or thread or whatever it was that they could handle. And, and one string, one thread would do nothing. Two or three would do nothing. But pretty soon they had hundreds of things going on there. And he was bound. He could not get away. You see, it's like this with sin. The repeated acting out of sin's impulse will soon lead to bondage for the rest of our life. We need to take this quitting seriously if it's going to happen, if we're going to get rid of it. But a second way to begin to break a bad habit, and that is to learn what to do about releasing ourselves from our bad habits. There must be an act of our will, a commitment to God. Are we willing to commit to God? And I don't mean just today, okay, God, I'm yours. But a real commitment, it goes back to that first one where we have to decide that we want to take it seriously, that we really want to make that commitment. You see, we cannot enjoy our habit and also maintain a rich and peaceful Christian life. You know what the Bible calls that? It calls it being double-minded. 
Oh, this time I'm sinning, this time I'm not, this time I'm sinning, this time I'm not. No wonder we live defeated lives. No wonder it is so hard for us to go out there and live that life like the scripture tells us to. And so we have the ups and downs. We have the victories and we have the defeats. Hmm. Luke chapter 16, verse 13. No servant can serve two masters. Either he'll hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Okay, they threw money in there. I could put any other sin in there. And when we try to live one and not the other, we, we can't do it. You know, you can't live both ways. You can't have it both ways. We want it both ways. We want it how we want it, don't we? Children, think about this with your parents. Are they happier with you when you do what they ask you to do? Well, yeah. Christians, is God happier with us when we do what he wants us to do? Yeah. But what if I am 80% yours, God, and 20% doing those other things? Does that please God? No. It really doesn't. Because he knows that we're divided and he knows that we cannot serve two masters. Let me go back to some experience here. I'm, I'm very knowledgeable in this area. When you're about ready to do some bad habit and you start playing these games in your mind, you with me? And you're playing the back and forth there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and then you decide, okay, just this one time. And you go and do this thing that's a bad habit. How much are you thinking about God at that point? You know, the further you can push God out of that, the easier it is for you to do this thing that you know doesn't please him. In the same way, if you've decided to follow God and you walk in the direction that he is directing you to walk, how much are you thinking about the evil ways, the bad ways, the bad habits? Well, your mind is with him. You see, that's what we need to be working on. Not giving that sinful desire a chance. Not trying to be different with some people and then different with other people. Different in some places and different in other places. Remember when we talked about the churches of Revelation? Chapter 3, verses 15 and 16. Here we go again. What happened there? I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. We didn't like that verse any better back when I preached it how many ever months ago, did we? You see, we make choices. He either wants us hot or cold. He doesn't want us to continue to fool ourselves. Because when we begin to fool ourselves, we begin to feel okay about ourselves. But God sees through that. 
God wants us to develop a will that is determined to obey him no matter what the feelings or the circumstances. John chapter 14, verse 31. This kind of sets it straight for us. But the world must learn that I love the Father and that I do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Come now, let us leave. Can we say that? The world must know that we really love God. Does the world know that or does it question it when they see you? Wow. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 3 and 4. By the way, good news is coming, folks. It really is. So hang in here with me. You've had all the bad news, but good news is coming. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men. Who, who was that? Jesus. So that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Understand here the purpose, the reason for us to be a Christian is found in these verses right here. That what difference does it make to be a Christian? What difference it makes is we don't have to live in sin. What difference it makes is we do not have to be defeated. What difference it makes is that there is a way, there is something that can be done. Listen, listen to Paul's words or read them on the screen from Romans chapter 2, verses 2 and or 6, verses 2, 3, 6, and 7. By no means we died to sin. How can we live it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Look at the next verse. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Is that what you want? Would you like to not be slaves to sin? Are you slaves to sin? When sin comes knocking at your door, do you open the door? Or do you run? Verse 7 there. Because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. You see, this is the difference that being a Christian makes. Because Jesus Christ went to the cross. He died for us that we might be free. Now, I understand. In fact, listen to this. If my sin nature has been crushed... If it is powerless to control my life, if my old desires were nailed to the cross, if that part of me wants to sin was fatally wounded, why then am I often driven by that very nature that God says is dead? Amen? Do you, do you relate to this? I want to be good. I don't want to sin. I don't want to go with my fallen nature. I don't want to go with self. I don't want to go in the flesh. I want to be yours, God, but... Romans chapter 6, verses 11 through 13. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body. Wait a minute. Does that mean I have to do something here? I mean, it doesn't say, therefore, give it to God and he'll take it all away from you. 
What does it say there? You, therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Then the last verse there. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin. <laughs> Hand? No. Stay away from those M&Ms. Eyes, quit looking. Heart? Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who've been brought from death to life. And offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness. We have to do that. We are called to do that. All right, one last thing. Have you had enough? One last thing. To break bad habits, God wants us to run from or resist the circumstances that cause them. You know, I don't think I have the power in me. There was no way I was going to get up at that football game and go sit three seats further down. There was just no way. It was just so easy to say, let me pass these, by the way. But if we are going to be victorious, we have to find it in ourselves to be able to take that next step and say, no, I'm not going to. If you're on a diet, it's to take that next step and say, no, I don't need that cookie. Thank goodness I'm preaching this today and not last Sunday. <laughs> we have to run away. And you know as well as I do that, that you can't even get close, can you? Because sometimes I think I'm so powerful, I'm so in control of myself that I can go right up here next to sin and kind of toy with it. What happens when you toy with sin? You're gone. You're gone. Okay, maybe you're stronger than I am. I hope you are. But even being stronger than I am, you can't toy with sin. Romans chapter 13, verse 14. What difference does it make to be a Christian? Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of sinful nature. Oh, my. That's not easy. And yet, that's what we're called to do. So, do you get the picture there in fact in the living Bible that verse says and don't make plans to enjoy evil do we do that oh, yeah we do okay let me show you a couple other verses just to hammer this home then I'll be done Proverbs chapter 5 verses 7 through 9 now then my sons listen to me do not turn aside from what I say keep to a path far from her do not go near the door of her house, lest you give your best strength to others and your years to one who is cruel. <laughs> if you don't want to end up in the house, you don't go near the house. You don't even go to the city. Maybe you don't even go to the state. Because if we find ourselves opening the window a little bit, we'll find ways to get in that window. We are to turn and run. You get the idea? If not, look at 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22. 
flee the evil desires of youth. Oh, youth, youth, flee the evil desires. <laughs> Adults, we got them too. And pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Well, that's good. Look at all those twos in there. 2 Timothy 2.22, you should remember that. Youth, when you go to school tomorrow, think of 2 Timothy 2.22. Flee the evil desires of youth. Now, is flee kind of one of these... That's not what flee is. Flee is running. It's getting out of there. It's not stopping to look back. Because you'll see that those evil desires are catching up to you. What about James chapter 4, verse 7? Submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. By the way, you know, we're talking about the difference it makes being a Christian. If you were not a Christian, guess what? You could sin all you wanted. Did you think about that? Maybe I shouldn't be saying that, should I? Yeah, James, that's the problem with us. But we are Christians. We've decided to follow Christ. And that means that that should not be an option. So last question. What if we cannot flee. You're trapped. Who was it trapped in the Old Testament when he was taken as kidnapped and taken to Potiphar? Remember? Remember Joseph and Potiphar's wife came in? Remember that? You should go look at that. That's kind of neat. He was being tempted. His eyes were fixed on not good things. And what did he do? He fled, didn't he? But sometimes we can't flee. Well, one more passage here. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 11 through 13. You can't flee? Okay, get ready for that. Because we'll find ourselves in sinful situations. And it's like, ah, how did I get here? Help! Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. How do we put on the armor of God? What does that mean? Are we going to have an armor sale here after church? Putting on the armor of God is being filled with the Spirit of God. Putting on the armor of God is knowing in your head what God's Word says so when these things come, you can defeat it with Scripture. You know, we're going to talk about this when we look at temptation. That'll be another good one. How to remove ourselves and deal with temptation. But we are to flee if we're going to be successful. So, to end, what do we pray? Well, 
First of all, we pray and we confess our sins. What happens when we confess our sins and ask forgiveness? What happens to those sins? They're gone. They're gone. No use carrying that past with you. They're gone. Don't bring them back. They're gone. Anytime you try to bring those back, you're saying, God, you're not big enough to take care of my sins. They are gone. So confess our sins. What do we pray next? We ask God to give us the desire. See, I know us. To give us the desire to really want to form new healthy habits. Lord, help me. Because you know my sinful nature. Give me the desire to serve you, to follow you, to walk with you. And then finally, ask God to give us the power to do those healthy habits. To want them and then to form them, to do them. So what difference does it make being a Christian? We have the way out. We have the ability to escape. Amen? Are you still awake? Because if you're not, Satan was saying, eh, just take a little nap here. We don't want you to hear this. Let's pray. My goodness, Lord, that takes all the fun out of life. And yet, Lord, I know that when we find ourselves submitting to you, the joy is insurmountable. The life that you give us is a life worthy of the greatest price. Thank you, Lord, for going to that cross for us, for making it possible to us, for us to defeat sin, not in our power, but in your power. Lord, help us to desire this. In Jesus' name, amen. If we could have the ushers now receive the offering.